Bedrosian throws to Sandberg, and the pitch is grounded to second base. Thompson has it, throws to first. It's over. 27 years of waiting have come to an end. The Giants have won the pennant. All right, Brad, I promise, at least I hope that I promise, that this is not going to be the saddest podcast that Giants fans will listen to. But, whoa, what what a crazy week as far as uh, just the ups and downs and, you know, your your um, prediction that the Giants would sweep the Astros did not quite come to fruition. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, those first two games against the A's, like for, you know, eight innings, they were like, wow, this is a different team. And then the ninth inning had to happen. If if if, if we had to split doubleheaders and they only had to play seven innings, Giants would have not done too badly this week. That's right. And let's talk to Manfred about that because we need more doubleheaders. We don't have an eighth and ninth inning guy. Um, <clears throat> so if we could just get these games done in seven innings, this is a great team, right? I mean, top yeah, to bottom. Yeah, we don't need that many relievers if if you do seven inning games. We're sort of penalized by not having <laughs> by playing COVID real baseball. <laughs> no, we're we're penalized by not having COVID nineteen positives. That's true because all the games that are getting canceled, the way that they're going to try to make them up are these uh, split double headers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so if you've got a uh, some pretty good starting pitchers and some good mid relief guys, and you've got COVID. On your team, and then you come back, uh, you know, ten to fourteen days later. Yeah, you get all these nice seven and seven double headers. Yeah, Cueto, Gossman, Webb—they all, you sure. know, they all threw fairly well this weekend. And then, you know, the Giants then turned it over to the bullpen, and it just was not—it was not a good scene. I like—I I was trying to think of, you know, I, I was like, like, why, why do I care so much? Why is this frustrating me so much? And. You know, it reminded me a lot of the way that they closed out the 2016 season and then losing to the Cubs in the playoffs where you're just like, okay, if we can get a a sort of a lead by the ninth, maybe we're okay. And then you realize, no, it doesn't really matter what the lead is in the ninth. Like, it's really just hold like, you know, what what does Kruko say? Uh, Hold on to your cheeks or whatever in the ninth inning. And that's what it was like. Like when, when we were talking about, you know, Friday's game. I was like, oh, my God, like the Giants are playing so well. A's are one of the best teams in the league. You know, there's a little bit of Bay Bridge series bragging rights because you and I both know tons of of uh, A's fans. And so it's kind of like, OK, this is going to be this might be kind of fun. At least if we get one, yeah. we can kind of flex a little bit. And then for them to give up that game, it was, uh, you know, Trevor, I, I, if I was writing the headline for the newspaper, if newspapers still existed, well, they kind, they kind think, of do. Yeah, I've seen some floating around. I, my, my headline would have been, Trevor got, got, got. <laughs> Two nights I, in a row. I geez. enjoy that headline. Because <laughs> he did get got. Yeah. Big time, man. But, you know, again, you can't. Blame the guy, right? Friday night, he's out there, throws 23 pitches uh, in in the ninth, um, which isn't a lot, but when you get one out, 23 pitches is a lot. So 23 pitches, six batters. He went through two-thirds of the A's lineup, right? Saturday night, here you go, 22 more pitches, six batters, 
again, two thirds of the lineup. He shouldn't have been out there Saturday. That that's that's my opinion. I got a little frustrated. I took to Twitter um, under our account, and I you know I kind of let Kapler have it a little <laughs> bit. Um, I think he needs to be held accountable at this point. I mean, we've seen his track record in Philly with the with the uh, bullpen. Now we're seeing it here as Giants fans. We're not used to this. We're not used to a lot of what's going on right now. The Giants scored 16 runs in three games against the A's, right? All the old teams, the Giants, the past decade, they would have won all three of those games. Have oh, scored yeah. 16 runs in three games easily. To come out at 16 runs and not win a game, because your bullpen faltered, because your pitching faltered, because your defense faltered, because guys are out of position, it's it's getting ugly. I, I I keep having I keep trying to have faith and say this is going to get better. But then I look at that roster and I say that roster is good, but it's being mismanaged up and down. Okay, hold on to those thoughts because we're going to come back. That's to a this. lot of thoughts. Well, there, I mean, and there's a lot of blame <laughs> left. Like you, you're right in that you know we look at Trevor Gott and we're like, oh, if he could just hold a lead, but. There were other things that happened in both games that caused uh, base runners to be on base. So hold that thought. We'll come back to it. We're also going to come back to uh, an idea that I have about how the season can be a little bit better, but we'll hold that too. Uh, But first, we had our giveaway this week. Last week, we promoted it. You had to retweet our post. You had to like us on Twitter. And if you went the Instagram route, uh, you had to like our follower Instagram account and then uh, you know, put a story out there. And so we were able to choose our two winners. Those winners are, let me make sure I have their handles correctly. Uh, Vin, his handle is at Vin, M-A-G-A-N-A, at Vin Magana, Magana or Magana. There, I don't think Twitter handles can have uh, tildes. No. Um, and so, uh, congrats to Vin. I've already been in touch with Vin, and Vin was very excited. Uh, he thanks us very much, and uh, he says he feels very lucky today. So, Yay. so he, he's so he's very he's very thankful. Nice job, Vin. Glad Good we job, could help, out, help you out there. All right, and the second winner is uh, someone by the name of Carrie Ben at handle B E N N underscore K E R R I. She, uh, I'm assuming she uh, is is the second winner. And when I reached out to Carrie, her reply was, are you serious? Because that would be awesome. <laughs> yes, we were very serious. And she also said that uh, she's, she's thankful. Uh, she thinks it's really awesome. And that hopefully that our good karma can get the Giants some wins. So I agree with Carrie. I mean, you know, we're we're giving away some codes here. Thanks to the folks at uh, OOTP and um, especially uh, Richard, uh, Richard Gresham, the guy who kind of runs the show over there. He was the one who, who sent those over. And I think after our little tournament is over, which will sort of be one of the last segments uh, of the show we're going to have to get Richard on because I'm I would love to talk to him and I think this is kind of the podcast to do it yeah he said he wants to hop on so I mean if you're an out of the park fan and you've got questions and and whatnot feel free to just message them over to us and we'll make a list and we'll hit them up with that because there's there's a lot of I have a wish list (laughs) and I know you do too because you play the game a lot I play the game a lot I have a wish list of some cool things I'd like to see in the game so I might throw a couple out there and say, hey, if you can make this happen, that would be awesome. 
And, and Vin and Carrie, to your families, we apologize because you're not going to see them for a while. <laughs> Once they install this game, they're going to be in the den, in their room, whatever, you know, on the laptop computer. They're going to be gone for a while. Yeah. Uh, they're going to get yeah. into this game. They're going to discover how ridiculously deep it is, how many different things you can do with it, and they're going to be gone. Okay, so the first time I really started to play it, it was because of you, your, your uh, influence, <laughs> and I, you know, I, I would dabble with it here and there, and I had to make sure not to really play it during work because it's so addicting. <laughs> and, yeah. and 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 I, the one time I realized that I was addicted was I was like, oh, you know, it's a Friday night. I don't really have much to do. I'm gonna get some get some whiskey and just kind of chill with the game. And I I feel like I blinked. And it was like three o'clock in the morning. Oh, easily. I was like, where Where did the time go? Like I started playing at like eight or something and it was just like, it, it was crazy. And so I had to, I've, I've had to sort of train myself to kind of take breaks and stuff because uh, it, it's like you said, it's very addicting. So yep, thanks again to Vin and Carrie and hope that you really enjoy the game. And also thanks to, to Richard for hooking us up. Uh, hopefully we can have him. And then I think he mentioned that they, you know, they do a podcast as well. So uh, he was, he was very helpful. He wanted us to, you know, to get a little bit of a, a nice kickstart to our podcast and really appreciate the help with that. Well, once we're done with this uh, tournament, maybe we could hop over, like you said, onto their podcast and kind of talk about our results and, and what we saw in the game that kind of favored who and, and, and you know, pitching, hitting and whatnot, and which players. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. So the, so the tournament matchup that we will have uh, near the end of the show is the 2004 Giants against the second seeded 2010 Giants. And I was very in intrigued because it's uh, Lincecum against Bond. So I think if I was selling this matchup, that's that those who would be the on the marquee for me. Yes. Okay. So uh, one other thing, I'm gonna. I had an interview uh, with someone. If you're part of uh, Giants Twitter, someone who is uh, who is pretty pretty well known on Giants Twitter. Her name is uh, Stephanie McCarroll, also known on Twitter as at SoCali Steph. Close your ears real quick, Brad. She's also a 49ers fan. Oh, ouch. Um, and uh, and, and so part. <laughs> she's done a lot of writing for blogs, and she does a podcast for uh, a network called uh, Fan Fangirl Sports, and she's just uh, a really a hardcore Bay Area fan. I think she lives, I mean, she, obviously her, her handle, she lives in SoCal now, but she kind of grew up in the Bay Area. And so I brought her on. I kind of wanted to just, you know, talk to her about giants and her giants fandom as far as back to her childhood and so we had a nice little conversation i'll tag this on to the end of this show it'll be the last segment of the show and you'll be able to hear me talk to stephanie who's really cool and um you know a really fun twitter follow as well so i would suggest if you are a niners fan and a giants fan and a warriors fan because she's bay area all the way give her a follow okay so uh before we get back to what happened uh, this past week? What are you drinking, my friend? Yeah, you know what? We shot right over that. We have so much to do on this podcast. Today. So um, <clears throat> I did, I, you know, I went fancy, as you say. Mm -hmm. uh, I sent you a picture of what I'm drinking, uh, finished the work day, went grab myself a drink, um, started to reach for the bourbon, and I was like, oh, what's that green bottle in the back I always forget about? So I grabbed, I used to be a scotch drinker, more of a scotch drinker than bourbon. Um, I still have a bottle of scotch left, and I always like to have one on hand, but I like Laphroaig. Um, 
I don't know if many people are familiar with that. It is one of the most smokiest uh, scotches I've ever had. Mm-hmm. There are some really smoky ones out there, but it's a it's a single malt um, scotch whiskey from the Isle uh, region. I believe they pronounce it Isla. I you know I'm not Scottish, so I don't really know, <laughs> but. Um, it's it's fantastic. It is a great sipper. A lot of people who try it say it's like uh, sucking on a liquid campfire. Oh uh, it it very much is. I love camping, so this is one of my favorite scotches. This is the Select, so it's a little bit lighter in color. It didn't age quite as long, but uh, I love it. So for me, uh, I went to uh, Total Wine which is a tremendous store if you're into this stuff. Uh, a, very, a very nice couple gave us a, a gift card for, <laughs> for our honeymoon. I uh, wanted you to just keep drinking. <laughs> you're, you're married now. You're going to need, every now and then, you're just going to need to just drink some. Yeah, so you, you had sent us uh, the gift card. And uh, so I walked in, and we, we had to get some, some wine. You know, the, the wife enjoys her wine, and so... I wanted to to pick up a few bottles and then at the same time pick up you know something bourbony something and then maybe pick up a rye. So I just sat there in that store for like forty five minutes just looking at everything. And I don't know why this bottle kind of caught my eye, but it is a uh, it is a bourbon uh, from a northern Cal. I think it's northern California, Healdsburg, California. Yeah, yeah it's up uh, in the Napa region, I think. Yeah, and it's called Lost Republic. And so I was like, oh, this is a cool looking bottle. And I've never, you know, I I've, I like buying stuff from non commercial brands uh, as well as commercial brands. But I, anytime I see something kind of interesting, uh, I, I will definitely grab it. So I grabbed that. I'm drinking Lost Republic um, uh, bourbon. And uh, and next week, uh, when we do this again, I actually have a shipment coming from a web service called Flaviar. I, me- I probably mentioned it on, on the yeah, show Yeah, you did. I, that one I keep, every time I see you post about that, I'm like, you know what? That's another thing I can grab. <laughs> and, and then the wife comes in and goes, yeah, you got enough of those subscription services. <laughs> exactly. So uh, I, I did get a bourbon from there as well. So I, I think I think that's actually coming this week. So I'll save that one for next week and uh, we'll talk about it. Oh, okay. So let's get back to the week that was with uh, with our baseball team here. So when you had mentioned the, uh, the your prediction for the Giants to go undefeated this week, I was like... Well, no, let, well, hold on. I'm sorry. I, I said sweep, sweep the Astros. The Astros. <laughs> sweep the Astros. Sorry. Sweep the Astros. I, I, see, I took it yeah. as you just thought that they were going to just run rough no, over I've the got, AL West. I've got some confidence in our team. Um, maybe some of it's veiled. Maybe some of it's just, you know, Homer fandom. Uh, but I don't think I'd ever pick them to sweep a week. <laughs> that would just be a nice, pleasant surprise. Uh, they've got the the Angels and D-backs this week. That's I'm definitely not going to throw that out there for this week either. So, but please continue. <laughs> okay, so very quickly, because you know when we were recording the last show, the game had yet to start. 
But by the time we had finished and then I was sort of updating and I was kind of putting the show together and I looked and like the Giants were already losing like five to zero or something. And so that game was a little bit lost. um, But, you know, they did come back in the ninth and they played decently well uh, late in that game to make it close. So, you know, you always like a fighting team coming back and, you know, never say die and all that. But it was actually in the second game that they became that team because, again, they were behind very early. Uh, the score was like 6-2 to two going into the 7th. And then the Giants, you know, they, they get to within one. They score in the ninth, and then they score in the 10th with these wonky extra inning rules, and, uh, and they, they won the game. And, you know, it was Hunter Pence hit a pinch-hit three-run jack to, to tie. I think it was, to, was it to tie the game or to come within one? It may, it may have been to come in within one. And, uh, uh, and and then I'm, I'm adding quickly uh, to come within <laughs> one. Yeah, there we go. And then um, uh, and then Darren Ruff ha- had a hit there, I think, in the ninth. And then Crawford had the uh, the hit in the in the tenth to to win the game. So you know that is a game where if you are looking for a little bit, like you're just looking for something and going, okay, what is this team? Maybe they are that team that never says die. And, you know, all the the Kapler psychological stuff works and Hunter Pence being, you know, a really good uh, team sort of cheerleader slash leader. You're like, okay, like that, that, that we, we could see more games like that. And then they ran into Zach Grinke, who's calling pitches and striking guys out and by telling them what happens. And then you go, okay, no, with that that is not who this team is. I, I don't know what I was thinking. They're just so I was like so up and down that whole yeah. Astro series, and I, like I was I was sort of mad at Grinke, but I was just kind of like, uh, you know, the Astros are just a bunch of dicks anyway. So like I can't really get too mad at that. And, but and, and Grinke is known for just being a dick in general. and general, and just a weird dude, you know. And he's he's been with the Diamondbacks, he's been with the Dodgers, so he knows, you know, he knows the Giants. He knows oh, yeah. that he hates the Giants. So you know, some of that could be a little bit of history of him just saying, "Hey, you know what? Screw you guys. I'm tired of seeing you guys. I'm mowing you down right now." Hey. Guess what? Here comes the slider. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's a thing where if you are playing in high school or something and, you know, you got like the stud guy on the mound, he can get get away with that because, sure. you know, it's just like high school ball, but you know, you don't see that in the big leagues. So you usually have a little bit more respect for the guys. But I mean, I can imagine the Astros are like, everyone's talking mess about us. Everyone is, is, you know, talking about Altuve and he needs the buzzer because he can't hit otherwise and everything. So I'm sure Granke was like, ah, oh, like this lineup is terrible. I'm just going to get, I'm just going to get it, puff my chest out a little bit because these guys are not going to be able to hit me. So I sort of get it, but it was just kind of like, I was so frustrated. I'm like, you're not supposed to do that even though you can. Mm, yeah. But yeah, like Dizzy Dean said, Hey, it ain't bragging if you can do it. Mm-hmm. So that's the key right there. It's very it's true. Cranky could do it. He could tell you. He could tell you number two is coming. He could throw it. And you're not going to hit it. I know. I mean, you saw guys waving at it. So yeah, it was brutal. I think he called fastball on Belt, and it was it even hit ninety, and Belt yeah, still swung through it. Like my God. But okay, so so we'll let's we'll talk about the A's thing in a second. But you know, we have a lot of guys. Now let's not talk about the A's. <laughs> well, well, just just well, let's well, just move on to this week. We we, we can definitely move on, but. What do you think about, I mean, Hunter Pence had a good game, but then he was also 
part of the reason why we lost one of those Oakland games. He like kind of reads the the fly ball off off the bat incorrectly. But at what point does Hunter Pence, as the kind of locker room leader, inspirational guy, at what point is that not enough? And do you have to move on from him because it is kind of sad watching him play? Now, obviously, the three run jack, you know, no one cheers for him louder than, you know, than than those of us who watched him when he was, you know, a really good player. But it's it's almost like, you know, you watch him, he, he's overmatched in a lot of these ABs. In the field, he just looks terrible. And I don't want to see him like that. I want to remember him when he was on, you know, two World Series winning teams. Like, I don't, I don't want to remember him as this guy who just cannot play in the field in this wonky 2020, you know, pandemic season. Well, and again, we talked about this on the last show. Um, it's one of those situations where is he being run out there daily because he'll show you that flash of a three-run home run? Um, this is the DH world this year. Everybody's got a DH now. Um, at that trade deadline, they're going to need maybe a guy like this because he can just be your DH. He could just concentrate on hitting. Um, when he's out in the field right now, obviously it's, uh, it's, it's a bit much. And, and again, whole new world. We're talking about post Bochy. We're talking about Gabe Kapler. We're talking about whole slew of positioning guys looking at their wristbands to see where they're supposed to be with certain hitters on certain counts. I mean, it's a, this is like foreign to me. So is, is part of that Due to that thinking, that positioning and everything else, I, I'm not really sure because I'm not behind the scenes on all that stuff. Um, but he will give you those flashes. He'll give you the three-run home run. Then he'll give you the wacky swing at a you know a foot-off-the-plate slider. Mm-hmm. Then he'll come back the next game and hit another three-run home run. But yet, then he'll cost you a couple runs. And, and the whole defense in general right now, guys being out of position, I can't really say that Flores was out of position because he has played in his career 597 games, right? 161 of those at first base. Mm-hmm. And I, I think Kapler said that is clearly his best position. Yeah. Mm. I mean, <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, at least he doesn't have to really. I mean, you know what? The thing that I that I watch him and I go, oh, my gosh, is every time he's got to make a throw, except when he did have to make that throw. Uh, on the the fielder's choice, which should have been either a force out at first, or it could have been a double play. With Belt, if Belt is there, Belt probably makes that a double play. Oh, for sure. And but and the, and the hard part watching it again, I you know I, I painfully watched those highlights again because we have a podcast to do. Yes, we have we exactly. have people listening that want to hear some stuff. Um, so I watched it again, and I still think it's possible that Crawford could have hung in there a little bit longer. Um, because you know the rule is in effect. Guy can't take you out at second mm-hmm, base anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, he's an older guy, so he's played his entire career with that in the back right. of his mind that he's going to get railroaded at second base <laughs> if he hangs in there. Now you can just hang in there, make the play. I mean, you know, half a second longer hanging in there, you get an out at second base. Yeah. Uh, so I can't put all the blame on Flores. It wasn't a horrible throw. Um but that, that's what I saw on that play. Okay, so that brings me back to what I wanted to, talk, to, to kind of talk about with the Pence thing is you have these vets. You have Brandon Crawford, who 
again, two-time World Series champ, so it's mm-hmm. not, you know, so we have that with him, and we've seen him be the best defensive shortstop in the National League for a couple of years. Brandon Belt, he can't, he cannot get going for anything. He just looks all mixed up there. He looks overpowered. I know he's got the heel thing, which doesn't make things better, and that's why he wasn't there defensively, according to Kapler, uh, because, I, you know, I think a lot of people watch that and go, okay, wait, why is Wilmer Flores in there in the ninth inning? Like, why isn't Belt there? And it's because his his, hel- his heel is acting up again. But you got guys like that. You, obviously, Pablo is similar to, to Belt. He just looks overmatched. He just looks out of sorts. Can't get anything going. And... They're not getting the opportunity to play every day. So if you wanted to sort of work through stuff, you also aren't getting that opportunity because they're you know they have a different lineup every day. I just wonder how you know what what can you do with these guys because if there is a season where you sort of figure things out, this is the one to do it. You have I don't know a little bit over thirty some odd games left, but. At the same time, do you just want to sort of wash your hands with these guys? I know Belt's got, I think Belt, I don't don't know about Crawford. I'm assuming Crawford and Belt have uh, another year left on their deal at the very least. But Pablo, they they don't have anything left with Pablo. They don't have anything left with Pence. So if they wanted to, they could literally just wash their hands with both guys, say thanks, you know, thanks for the memories. We love you guys, but we need to play some of these other guys to figure out if they're anything. And I kind of wonder about that. How do you do that if you're Gabe Kapler and you're the new manager and you're already, you know, you're already at the mercy of these fans who are just like are so frustrated with you? Well, and I completely get what you're saying. And I'm looking up contracts as we're talking right now. After 2022 or after 2021, so after next year, uh, Belt is an unrestricted free agent. So got one year after this year left on his deal. The thing is. Right now, they have so many guys that can play so many different positions. That's what Zaidi has built this roster to look like. And I'm looking at Crawford. He's also an unrestricted free agent after next year, after 2021. So both those guys have one year left. Um, he's built this roster to be guys who can play anywhere, but nobody who's a specialist at any particular position. Right. So right now, this year... And I, you know, I got to give a little bit of, of of a break to everybody right now because they are, it's a 60 game season. Um, the, the pressure to perform is always there when you're a major league baseball player, but when you've got 60 games, the pressure to perform, I would imagine has got to be twofold. Oh yeah. It's, oh, yeah. it's got to be even more. So you got some guys who are pressing right now because you get off to a slow start. You could finish the year hitting... 210 and that's going to go on your baseball card do people still collect baseball cards yeah i knew but i'm just saying that's going to go on their baseball cards that's hilarious that you say that because um like one of the things that i wanted to do with this season because i feel like i feel like when i was like 12 years old i knew so many more players on all the other teams. Oh, sure. <laughs> and now I don't know anybody except for the players on my team. And even with this Giants team, I don't know some of the players on this team. And so I was like, oh, I need to get back into like collecting baseball cards. Like, what was I doing differently? Oh, baseball cards and reading every single piece of yeah. of information I could find, obviously. So um, 
Well, I, I, but now, now instead of saying it's on your baseball card, you say it's on your your baseball reference website, exactly. your your baseball reference page forever. So this one eighty six average for belt right now, that's going to be on that permanently. <laughs> so so I but, know, but that brings me back to just the oh, go ahead. So I was going to say, you know, batting averages and everything. But if you wanted to quickly take a look at who was uh, producing and who wasn't, you know, Solano's still hitting over 400 and he's got like the second most ABs on the team. So it's not like he, you know, he's only, you know, it, he, it is still a small sample size, but compared to the, the rest of the players on the team, he's got the second most ABs. Um, Austin Slater, who, uh, if he can stay healthy, I think he's going to get a little bit more PT. Uh, his, his OPS is uh, second to only Yastrzemski on the team right now, but he's got half the ABs. Yastrzemski is legit. I think I don't know if he is all-star worthy at, at any point in his career, but I think he's a legit player. Uh, Wilmer Flores, the reason why he plays is because he hits and he's got, um, you know, he's hitting in the 290s and and uh, he's got four jacks, second highest on the team. But after that, it's like just falls off the table. Rough in 34 at bats. He's, hit, he's hitting okay, 265. But then you go all the way down. It's like Dickerson, 245. Longoria, 228. Crawford, 224. Uh, Brandon Belt, 186. Uh, Pablo Sandoval, 174. And it just like, you know, and you look at Hunter Pence, 109. And all of the guys who you looked at as sort of like the mainstay on the roster for the last few years, they, whatever it is, like they, they are not, they are not able to, um, deal with the, this season, at least offensively. I don't, I, I haven't looked deeply into the fielding statistics for these guys, but we know that the team, you know, the team is playing terrible defense as it is too. So I just wonder, you know, as much as I am a, a fan of these guys, like I, I will always hold them high uh, in, in esteem because of what they've done. It is now, you know, this is six years later from the last world series team. And you look at them and you're like, man, all of them have just fallen off the cliff in this bizarro season. And it's frustrating to watch because they are fan favorites. You want them to do well. Well, and, and all dynasties come to an end. Ours pretty much came to an end in 2016. That playoff series against the Cubs, that killed it. I mean, the second half of the season really started yeah, they killing the good. dynasty. No, they were just awful. Um, snuck into the playoffs put up a fight, a little bit of a fight, but again, the bullpen was, was the problem and we've seen it ever since. But then, you know, that brings us to 2020, like you said, and now, so now we're looking four years later from the true end of the dynasty, bring back pants, Sandoval's back. Um, were those good decisions? Those were probably ticket making decisions with, uh, with, and there's no gate this year. There's no pants no gate. So, <laughs> so what do you do with the pence? What do you do with a Pablo? Um, I, I would love to have seen Jalen Davis get more of mm-hmm. a shot in right field. Um, Steven Duggar was just brought back He's up brought back today, up. Uh, Monday as we speak, baby punch, um, baby, baby punch did not baby have punch. A, no. a good weekend for sure. He did not. His locks were flowing in the <laughs> wind. Every time he turned around and watched a home run, leave the yard, it, it flipped around that hair flew <laughs> in the wind. It was painful to watch rough. Does Darren Ruff have a true position? Um, Cause again, that brings us back to like Pence, yeah, but you know who's gonna who who do we need to see? 
And at first base, who do we need to see? Who's the true first baseman um, that we need to take a look at? Is it Darren Ruff? Darren Ruff's older, too. Um, Wilmer Flores, but is he an everyday first baseman? I don't. What about someone so. like uh, like Chris Shaw, who yeah. they seem to have given up on a little bit? Yeah, and they're starting to struggle at catcher again. There's some guy in um, <laughs> down at the uh, Sacramento club. Uh, oh God, Joey Bart. He would be a good one, maybe to spark this club a little bit. Bring this guy up. I love Trump. I love Heineman. But you now see their true colors and yeah. what kind Who of they players are. they yeah. are. 211 and uh, Heineman is 189. The power is, you know, they're in flashes, but a combined three home runs and nine RBI at the catcher position. So, yeah, I mean, you might have to subtract it's like 100 points off his batting average for all the catcher's interferences. Oh, God. <laughs> so, okay. So, so, so I'm glad you brought up Bart because. That is that is my like I'm trying to find um, you know the 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 silver lining out of this season. Let let's say that they're gonna be playing you know 400 ball or less, and and that's just what this season is. Who knows? Maybe, maybe they me you know it's not like the Angels are great, and you know they they how many in a row do they have with the Angels? They got four in a row, four two in a, row, two in Anaheim, and then two at. Uh, at uh, Oracle, and then you know the Diamondbacks are actually a pretty good team, but I think they'll be a pretty good team. Yeah, so they got they got a lot of games back at home again. Not playing well at home right now. Um, it's always nice to have that crowd again. It's such a weird season, so you don't know the factors and what it is that's actually causing some of these issues. Um, I don't know, man. I just see bullpen mismanagement again. Could I do a better job? I don't know. Probably not. He's in, <laughs> he's in, you know, Kapler's in the clubhouse with these guys day in and day. Oh, yeah. He's having these conversations with so- socially distancing, but socially, so exactly. They're wearing masks. I, <laughs> let's just put that vision out there. Um, but they're talking about things. And so they, they know what he knows, what their strengths are. He knows what their weaknesses are. He must have seen something in God that said he's going to recover the next night. I mean, mm-hmm. look at uh, Tyler Rogers. I mean, he came in against the Astros after getting uh, lit up against the Dodgers. He came back, what was it, two nights later to uh, preserve that win, mm-hmm. that seven to six win with the Astros in, in extra innings and, and mowed him down. And so, I mean, he's having these conversations with these guys. He knows better. But us as fans, we look at it and we say, man, why is God out there? Yeah. And, and then here you are saying our bullpen doesn't have a definition. We don't have a definitive set name for this guy. He's not a closer. He's not a this. He's not a setup man, blah, blah, blah. And then you're like, God's our closer. I'm sending him back out there to close <laughs> this game because he blew last night. He's got himself a, what was it on Saturday night? A three-run lead. Yeah. So I'm going to send him out there and I'm going to have him fix this because he's our closer. Well, you can't do that. I mean, you can't tell everybody that you don't have a set anything for anybody and then keep running the same guy out there to close games. Okay, so back to Bart. The the My silver lining is when I watch this team, they have some players like we talked about, uh, you know, players who we love because of what they've done in the past. But without Buster Posey, there is no real lead dog that I can see, at least just watching. Like, who's going to take control? Who's going to come up with the big hit? Who's going to make the big play when they need it? And I started to think back... 
when Buster Posey came up in 2010, obviously he was 23 years old, so he wasn't immediately the leader of that team. And in 2011, he got hurt with uh, with that slide uh, at the plate, and he missed the rest of that season. But in 2012, he comes back and he's the MVP uh, of the National League. So I think pretty quickly he became that sort of de facto guy on that team. And if Joey Bart is going to be a great player or even a very good player, I would love to see how he changes this team just by being out there and by having a little bit of expectation on him. Uh, the Detroit Tigers just brought up uh, Casey Mize, who's the the only pick ahead of him because he was the number two pick in 2018. So the Tigers have brought up their guy from that draft, the number one pick. So I think it's like, okay, like now's the time. The Giants as a team, uh, defensively especially, they look lost. And who's sort of the leader of that defense? You know, you got a couple uh, in the shortstop and, and the catcher. And I would love to just see them throw him out there and go, okay, you're going to play two out of every three games. You know, we're going to hit you uh, maybe in like the five or six hole. Not a ton of pressure, but we want to see how you handle these things. And we want to see how you would actually change a little bit of the gravity of this baseball team. I think it's the perfect time to do it, especially when the Tigers were just like, well, we're going to bring up our guy. It's like, okay, like what, what else are we waiting for? It's time. Well, yeah, the, the the top four picks in that draft, uh, that was 2018, top four picks, he's the only one still kind of toiling and waiting now. And he's probably the oldest them. one. I think so. And you're not going to get that. Ma- this is the perfect season to get that major league experience because you're playing against a lot of guys that probably shouldn't even be up in the majors right now. Because you've got a lot of guys who are either tested positive or uh, a lot of pitchers on the on the injured list because of the rush to get them out there and get them throwing. So, you're, I mean, you're facing AAA guys. Bring them up. Get them that confidence. Let them play in the yard. Get used to the yard. Get used to calling Samarja, calling Cueto. Um, I mean, man, this is... I can't think of a of a better time to bring him up. Um, they're on the road in Anaheim for two. The, usually, the Giants' mo for bringing in a touted rookie is what? It's the first game home on a long homestand because the crowd is going to love them. They're going to get pumped up by the crowd. Again, we don't have that this year, so you can bring this guy in at any point. Yep. And start getting him some innings behind the plate. Start getting him those precious at bats. Um, again, I don't. I'm not 100 percent sure of how the whole service time thing works, and it's just you know that that that's one whole thing. But I believe they're past that at this point. Yeah, they I can think, bring them up. It, I think they just had to get past five games to yeah. where if he was on the roster. Um, and they already passed that mark, like something like, you know, like you said, the, the time would count against him uh, if the season was shut down and we're already past that five game mark. So I think they're good to go if they want to bring him up. And, you know, like I, I just hope it happens because, you know, when you watch this team, you go, OK, I kind of see what we're doing here. There's going to be games where like they played that, that game in Houston where they do come back and they're going to have some games where 
you know, they, they, I'm sure the A's fans were like, what the hell is going on on Friday night until they, you know, until they made that comeback. But there are going to be games where they look okay and that they, you know, because because they did they did value hitting this year. They have guys who can hit the baseball defensively. They're not good. Bullpen is not good either. But there is a silver lining because if this is who they are, I want to see Joy Bart. I want to see Will Wilson. I don't know if Ramos is necessarily ready. I can wait on him because he's a little bit younger. Yeah, he's pretty young. And, and you know, but I do want to see the guys who could be up here because it one thing, you know, just to reflect back on on some of the Giants teams of the past is, you know, 1986, they did bring all of these young guys yeah. up at the same time and they really did have an effect on the team and on the psyche, they had a great mix of young players with with these veterans, and I'm sure those young players, you know, pushed the veterans a little bit. So I would love to see Joey Bart come in and just be like, "Okay, guys, like let's go, like let's do this." And and you know, because it wasn't that long ago where you know Brandon Brandon Belt and Brandon Crawford were the ones pushing the vets out. And, you know, that just that's what, what you said. That just happens in baseball. Dynasties age and they get old. So I want to see that. I want to see Will Wilson. I want to see guys like that. Because then, to me, if I'm going to watch bad baseball, I would love to see the future. <laughs> yes. Let's let these guys make mistakes instead of these old vets who are making the mistakes less because of inexperience and more because of the fact that, you know, they're just a little bit older and they're not as good as they, they used to be. And I guarantee you in 86 when they – brought up the kids, you know, they, they weren't thinking, okay, now we're going to compete for a national league West title. Well, I mean, that 86 team did that. They did that all the way towards the end of the season before Mike scuff, uh, Scott, um, shut him down with his little scuff ball. Uh, (laughs) it was probably, I think there was about like seven, eight games left in the season. And that guy, such a cheater, but anyways, he, um, throwing that little scuff ball, uh, but that's, you know, that, again, that, that, that's not where they're expecting this year. Again, a shortened season, you can get a guy up to get him some at-bats and some experience. Um, you know, that was, 86 was after a 100-loss season. Uh, that team needed an injection. The fan base needed an injection. Um, this team has been rough since 2000, mid-2016. We're way past the need for an injection of youth, an injection of some positivity, something to watch, something to look for. I mean, we've got Yaz, add Bart to the mix, man. It, it's personally, I think it's way past time. If you go to Twitter and you type in Joey Bart and then you type in recent tweets, it's probably every 15 to 20 minutes somebody's asking for (laughs) (laughs) and that's not just giants twitter that's just twitter in general oh yeah all right so uh, enough you know we we tried not to be too negative and hopefully uh, we weren't too negative i poured a second drink (laughs) (laughs) but let's uh let's go back to our all-time Giants tournament that we are running through the great game of out of the park baseball. So you ran the simulation. It was the 2004 Giants, the 15 seed against the 2010 Giants, the number two seed. 
And I was a little worried that the 2004 Giants would be um, a little bit better represented in this game because they were such a hitting juggernaut. Well, not like 2003. 2003, I think, offensively was better. But the, this this Giants team still had the bats. They still had Barry Bonds. But what happened is is that the arms of the 2010 Giants just shut that 2004 team down. Bonds had a good series, though. Yeah. Unlike the 2013 one, this Bonds did have a good series. He hit 500 for the series. Uh, he had two jacks, and he walked a bunch of times. Uh, he had a, he had a 60, uh, 680 on, on base percentage in this series. Yeah, that was ridiculous. Now, yeah, 2004 Bonds against the 2010 team. Uh, played really, really well. The 2001 Bonds kind of took a dump. Uh, it, it basically, it comes down to, you know, like it's always talked about, pitching wins championships. I mean, everybody kind of knows that at this point. And the game favors that, and I like that about the game. Uh, I don't know if it really favors it as much as it sees it as... Um, you know, just kind of a, I don't know, a domination factor. Uh, you, you're rolling along when you're pitching. You get a little bit of momentum going when you're a hitter. So I don't know how it factors in that. But anyways, game one, Timmy threw a complete game three hitter. He had 10 strikeouts. That was pretty dominant. Uh, Bonds was funny. And, of course, my uh, my computer decided to crash here. So you're going to have to pull up the stats for me. <laughs> I, but, I have it up. I have it up. Yeah, but how many at-bats did Bonds end up having in the series? In, Four, in, 14 overall ABs. Okay, so it was a five-game, and it ended up being a five-game series. Uh, should we reveal the winner right now or just go on through it? Yeah, definitely reveal it. Okay, so 2010 World Series champions won the series four games to one over the 2004 team. Um, oh, here, it just came back up. Okay, yeah, so Bonds had 14 at-bats in five games. Every time he was up, he walked, it felt like. <laughs> um, Timmy walked him two or three times, I think, in the first game, and he hit a solo home run off of Timmy. Um, so a lot of his hits were home runs. He had he had seven hits, two home runs, four ribs, uh, 500 batting average, 1,000 slugging percentage, 682 on-base percentage. He just a walk machine. Um so that was game one. Game two was very back and forth. 2010 team won that six to five. It was a 10 inning win. Uh, Pat Burrell, Pat the Bat, had the walk-off home run in the bottom of the 10th. He ended up going on to win the MVP of that series. Uh, he ended up with uh, four home runs and eight RBIs. He had 421 batting average in that series. You want to um, talk about bad bullpens. Yeah. Dust, oh. Dustin Hermanson is the one who gets the Ooh. loss for that game. This I remember, you know, this 2004 Giants team, you know, when it came to a closer that, you know, when you're when you're rolling out Dustin Hermanson, who would have been a good like, you know, seventh and possibly eighth inning guy. Um, but yeah, as your closer and, you know, they had Matt Hurgis on this team, Tyler Walker on this team who were good relievers, but just not in that ninth inning role. And uh, interestingly, it was the starting pitching in the 2004 team that really let the team down because Timmy outdueled Jason Schmidt both games, game one and game five. And Schmidt uh, has a 7.59 ERA in the series. 
And Kirk Kirk Reader gets destroyed in the one game that he throws, and 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 the Giants, the 2010 team, just killed them. Uh, but yeah, it was a starting pitching. Actually, the bullpen was okay for 2004, but you know the 2010 Giants, like up and down. It's like the bullpen was great. Uh, Romo didn't have a good series, but Brian Wilson, you know, had two appearances, didn't give up any runs. Uh, Timmy, 16.1, uh, 16 and a third innings. Uh, had only given up, um, I don't know how many runs that is, but 2.20 ERA. So he's probably like two runs. And yeah, like that, that uh, bum, you know, a young, a young bum garner, <laughs> you know, gets a, gets a win in the series too. So it was actually kind of cool to see that series play out sort of like I would have thought it would have played out in real life based on how those two teams were. And everybody's favorite. And, and we all love this guy, Andres Torres. I swear, every time that guy was up, he got a knock. He batted 435 in the leadoff spot. And that's kind of what spurred this. This was a very offensive performance for the 2010 team. In the the first game, they scored eight runs. Second game, six. Next game, four. That's the one game they lost. Then they went on to score seven and five runs. I mean, they never won like a two-to-one game like they did in real life, they had to battle against this 2004 team and just try to take them on. It was pretty fun to watch. All right. I'm going to give you a theoretical. Yeah. 2010, Pat the Bat. Obviously, he grows up in the Bay Area, goes to Bellarmine High School uh, in in uh, you know, in the South Bay. Yep. Tim Lincecum. Uh, just beloved, one of the most uh, the has probably the most loved Giants players of all time, and you know, and we're talking about guys, you know, Mays McCovey time. You know, he is he stands up with with those. Oh yeah, Bur- Burl and Linscom go into a bar. Who leaves with the prettiest girl? <laughs> oh, and, and and this is not Dude. a sexist thing. This is just no. like uh, who's got like the most like star power out of those two guys. Do the girls know who Tim Lincecum is? Obviously, because it's going to be in San Francisco. Okay. It's going to be right. after so, a Giants right. game. So it's in San Francisco. It's 2011, 2012, maybe even 2009. I mean, you know, everybody knew who he was in 2009. Yeah. We all did. Yeah. Um, Two-time two Cy Young Award winner by then. That's a tough one, man. I say... Timmy, he just seems a little more chill. I think Timmy too, though. I think Pat, because of you know, Pat had been sort of a star probably since he was about fourteen years old. Yeah, because I remember hearing about him, and he like we're we're older than he is, but not not that much older. But I remember when I was like um, in high school and getting out of high school in college, I was hearing about this dude all the time. So he, I mean, he's been a stud since he was like 14, 15 years old. So uh, I think, I think he sort of knows that scene and Linscombe is kind of coming up a little bit, a little bit of a late bloomer because he's a little dude. And then he figures out how to throw 97, 98, 99 uh, in, on his frame and kind of grows into this role of being a superstar. But yeah, I, I, I like thinking that because, you know, I remember what, you know, I remember those times, you know, because if you were in San Francisco after games 2008, 2009, 2010, those ballplayers were hanging out at the bars too. And it, it, yeah, they, they got much more famous after they started winning titles and, and, and that didn't happen as much. But back then, 
If you're in the right spot, you could see Timmy, you know, getting a beer. Or you could definitely find Paparel getting. Oh a drink. yeah, and now and now with uh, weed totally legal in California, you could find Timmy <laughs> at all kinds of different places, right? I would imagine. I don't need. I mean, who knows where he's at now? That guy. I was thinking about him the other day as we're going through this thing, and I'm thinking, where is this guy now? Yeah. I mean, this guy could be on the air. This guy could be doing all kinds of great stuff for the Giants now, but no, he chooses just to kind of be off somewhere else, which is fine. Hey, everybody's got their thing. I think I might do the same thing too. I, if I were him, I'd be like, mm, I'm gone. Just going to sit up in the Northwest and smoke some weed. You know, I, I sort of understand it though, because he, the way that his career ended, I'm sure there's a little bit of frustration there. Uh, you know, he didn't get a chance to go out on his own. He kind of got pushed out. And that's got to like be a little, a little bit of a, a problem for him. And yeah, I'm sure, you know, hopefully, because he was so good, he made a lot of money. He won, you know, he won three World Series titles. Uh, hopefully, he can sort of get over that and just come back. Because like the Bay Area, if any, if they love anybody right now, it's Lincecum, and they would oh. just open their arms to him. Well, they love everybody. Every former Giant, minus. Aubrey Huff and Adrian <laughs> Speaking of Przinsky, uh, Giants fans would be happy to know this. In this series, this Sim series, the 2004 Giants, he only hit 150. He helped the 2004 Giants lose. He probably hit into about seven double plays, too. <laughs> Most likely. <laughs> All right, so uh, so that, that's going to be it for the two of us. Uh, we will be back next week on this, uh, this same show, but... I'm actually going to throw it to my interview with Stephanie, and I hope to do some more of these and maybe figure out a way to get to get Brad on these, too. I have one that I know that we're going to be able to do once this season is over. The uh, the the KMBR uh, sound en- engineer, Darren Chan, has already agreed to come on with us, oh, and, and, and that'll be fun because... You know, I mean, I had that that short stint at KMBR, and anytime you know, I sort of used that. It's like, oh yeah, I worked at KMBR. You know, just to kind of get in good with some guys. But he's like legit. You know, the sound engineer for for the team uh, on the radio broadcast. So uh, I'd love to talk to him. Uh, also, uh, Carmen Q, who is on the Triples Alley show with. Uh, Dwayne Kuyper's uh, son Cole, and I forget the other woman's name. Uh, um, that's my that's my fault. But they they were doing the post game show last year. I don't think they're doing it currently in the quarantine time. But Carmen also uh, she does the weekend stuff with uh, Marty Lurie on KMBR. So I've already talked to her. I think we're going to sort of figure that out. And and I would love to bring Carmen on. I've talked I've talked to Carmen about stuff over the last uh, few years. So she's a, she's a really nice person. And so uh, so yeah so. The, Steph, the, the interview with Stephanie, hopefully, is the beginning of, of getting some people on here. I'm, I'm really interested in hearing, you know, everybody's sort of Giants origin story. So I like it because the less people have to hear me rant, the better, man. <laughs> Tune in and hear somebody else, man. We can come on, come on. San Jose State radio star. Stop. All right. So, uh, yeah. So, Brad and I are done here, but let's uh, toss it to my interview with Stephanie McCarroll, a.k.a. SoCali Steph. All right, our first interview on the Thompson to P- to Clark podcast, uh, I have on Stephanie McCarroll, who I initially 
sort of found because of following the 49ers. Uh, she's a hardcore uh, sports fan. I know she's a big-time Giants fan, as you can see on her Twitter account. She's got the, the cover photo in a Giants gear. Uh, Stephanie, how's it going? It's going. It's uh, the first day of NBA playoffs, and I, you know, sports are back, so it's really exciting again to see. Absolutely. So uh, one of the things that personally I enjoy is talking to fellow content creators, yourself. Uh, you you are a, a podcaster for the Fangirl Sports Network. I know you've done blogging and writing in the past. What is it about, you know, being a content creator uh, that uh, is, is attractive to you? Like, why, why do you continue? I know you have a real job, and you have yeah. real stuff going on in your life, but there's this side of you that, you know, as a passionate hobby, and, you know, I'm assuming uh, as to other stuff that you do just in, in the sports world. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's just my way of keeping um, up to date. And it's so fun for me to be involved in sports in some way. I think, um, just being, my dad was a professional athlete. I was an athlete. And I think that, you know, you kind of want to live vicariously through, you know, the sports. And I think that that's why sports are so special. They really can like unify in, in, in people. And, you know, I think when the world's kind of bleak, I think that sports can yeah. really help, you know, just, just improve your overall attitude. And, you know, I was raised in the Bay Area, so that's, you know, totally ripe with, you know, sports. And it's just, I think that's just how we are. At least that's how I am. <laughs> So you you mentioned a an athletic background, family uh, family uh, father played sports as well. Mm-hmm. So what what is that background? Uh, um, I I know uh, you went to school in the Bay Area, but uh, what what was the sport of choice, and you know how how far did you get into it? Uh, so yeah, I went uh, for my dad. He was uh, in the NBA, but he this was a long time ago when. Uh, it was before the Hawks, who were the St. Louis Hawks at that time. That's oh, how wow. far back we're going. And um, so, but he always kept really close with it. And he like um, refereed. And I mean, that was just my, me growing up was in sports. Either we were at a basketball game or a baseball game or a football game. And it was just, just something we did. Um, and then I, I, I've played all sports, but um I finally was a D1 athlete with, in swimming at Cal Berkeley. So I, I got I went all the way to nationals and stuff like that. So that was fun. But um, I had to finally choose at that point because swimming, you know, when you get to that level, you just have to do it 24 hours a day. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. Um, so what are your thoughts on – and we'll, we'll kind of come back to, to sports of today, but the MLB – they did uh, their version of this sport. You know, they did it outside of a bubble where you just mentioned the NBA playoffs are doing it inside of a bubble. What What are your thoughts on how MLB handled coming back to uh, to to bring baseball to the public again? You know, I, I I understand the way they went about it, and I think that the MLB has a really strong union uh, players association. So I, I understand why they did it that way because it's it's really hard to do that many, you know, players and coaches in a bubble situation. Uh, Same with the NFL. At the same time, I think that there was an opportunity missed because I I felt like they waited a little bit too long um, 
right away, I felt like the NBA got right on top of it and was trying to figure out a way that they could make it work. And the bubbles work. Um, the MLB hasn't been as successful. I mean, we know that about the breakouts, but I think what it really takes is buy-in from every single player, every single coach, every single person that's involved in the sport. So if, if they buy into this and everybody wears a mask, it, it's kind of, it's, it's like a microcosm of even where the country is. Like if there's not enough buy-in, then it's not going to work. So I right. think that that's essentially... And I think teams are now starting to take it as seriously as they should have from day one. So I imagine you're watching our Giants today, similarly to how to how you'd watch them normally. But the season is so different and it almost feels uh, not to say that it doesn't feel like it's a real season, but just the way that they're doing it, it just feels overall it just feels awkward and weird to me. But how are you watching the team and, and do you watch them with the same intensity as you have in the past? You know, I'm pretty impressed with how the MLB has been able to broadcast these. And, you know, I understand it's not the same without fans. And I get that it's a little different with the different rules, which I'm not crazy about. But um, and, you know, I'm a big traditionalist anyway, like the National League to me with the DH is a little odd. But that being said, I think that it had to be done in this scenario. It. Something had to happen, and I think it really allowed them to play with it a little bit. I'm watching it, all, obviously, all through television, and I'm having fun with it. Um, you know, the Giants are always going to be, <laughs> I don't know, torturous, but <laughs> it's still, you know, it's been fun. I think what they've been able to do this season with the roster they have is pretty incredible. And even though it's been a, a you know, the A-series didn't go too great, but it's it's still at the same time was they were watchable again. So I think that that is always fun. Yeah. The, this last weekend was, uh, was pretty tough. And I, and I started to see, it's amazing because I was kind of wondering just as a fan, how much of the benefit of the doubt fans would give a, because the season is, is in this like funky uh, period and B, you know, Gabe Kapler, he, he's, a, he's a new manager. Uh, this is uh, Farhan's second season with the team. And I was kind of wondering, okay, you know, are, are people going to be uh, patient? Nope. Like right, right when they started losing and when, you know, Kapler makes uh, a couple of mistakes that, you know, the veteran Bruce Bochy would never make. And it's immediately like just people are, are right back to torture and right back to, oh, I can't, you know, it's almost like we never won, you know, you never saw a World Series wins. Like people are so passionate about this team and it's it's been fun to see i i mean i admit it i get the same f frustrated feelings you know when when the giants give up a five-run lead in the ninth like like that is like i felt those things come out i was like when did i last feel like that oh yeah 2006 uh, playoffs that's the last time i felt that way but yeah so it is kind of crazy but it's fun like that's what i really love about the giants fan base it's so passionate um so kind of like going back to your childhood Favorite player of all time? Oh, um, I'm probably going to say Will Clark. I'm, yeah, I'm not old, but um, he, he just was some, I think he, and that, that, just that whole era made me fall in love with baseball. I mean, you know, the Matt Williams, uh, I always think of too. Like, I just loved the whole, every, you know, just everything. I, that's, I think, who I, uh, 
really gravitated to. And it was just such a fun time, you know, in my life. And then, you know, I later in life got to meet them. And, you know, I, I just remember being as like a giddy kid, you know, so Mm -hmm. it's just, that's the fun part about loving sports is because when they're just like these, you know, exciting athletes that you, you know, beyond belief. And then when you finally see them, you know, it's just great. That's one of the best things about sports. And this podcast is named after uh, after Wolfpack too, Tom yeah. Clark. Yeah, I mean we're in the, we're in the same boat as far as <laughs> you know that era. Like I, I can I can remember. So I mean I can remember going to games, and I'm dating myself here. But my first memory of a game is probably eighty two, eighty three, and I'm, I'm a little kid, so not really too into uh you know i wouldn't get into like the stats and the players and the rosters probably until uh, another year or two but when i think back of my favorite childhood team it it had to be 86 because that was like they were really promoting the team the marketing was all geared toward you got to like these kids and mm-hmm. you know this young team and then you see clark you know, come up as a rookie and drill one over the fence on Nolan Ryan. And I'm just like thinking like, oh, my gosh, like this is something. And, that you know, they wouldn't go to the playoffs until a year later. But that was that like that is still those memories right then and there. Even, you know, we, we get to see these World Series teams after. But still, I, you know, I, I always go back to that time frame. So that's a great it's a great answer. And I'm assuming, you know, as I do more interviews with folks like that time frame is going to we're going to hear a lot about uh, those players. Okay. Pre-World Series win, pre-2010, before they finally won the World Series and, you know, did so, you know, we're, we're spoiled now. But before that time frame, what is your favorite Giants childhood memory? Or it doesn't even have to be childhood. It just has to be pre-World Series. Like before then, like what, what, what did you always go back to as your favorite moment? Uh, you know, Barry Bonds was always like something that I really, really enjoyed, but... Man, I, I, I'm trying to think about the one moment I, we went to a ton of Giants games and I just remember, cause I was, I was young too, you know, I, and I don't think I was like super paying attention to every single thing <laughs> at that point. You know, I think I started getting more involved with Barry Bonds, but I just remember, um, Jose Uribe's homers. I remember <laughs> like, um, you know, Brett Butler, Robbie Thompson. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of like, you know, of course, Matt Williams, um, Kevin Mitchell. That 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 was just a, such a fun time in my life. And I just remember um, really pulling for them and hoping that they would do well. And they never did. <laughs> They're very good. <laughs> but it's still your team and you root. And that's when you kind of just, you know, you – you ride or die, mostly die with the Giants. So oh, yeah. It was just oh, yeah. like something that, I don't know, it's just that whole generation was just really fun for me. And it made me love them despite winning. And I think that's what made it so much greater when they finally won in 2010. Because it was like exquisite because we had waited so long. I mean, my whole life. I wasn't even sure the Giants would ever win a championship in my lifetime. So... I, I I just cherished that so much. And we, we you probably had the same feeling about the Warriors, too, because I, I, mean, oh, yeah. I had the same feeling of that. It was just, you know, Warriors and Giants. Ah, you know, at least we have the 49ers. They, <laughs> they've won Super Bowls. But, uh, you know, so it's OK. But then when all when the other two teams won the championships, it was like, oh, my gosh, like this is what it feels like to, you know, to, to live in a, a great sports town. 
Oh, a hundred percent. And that's, it was, it's just, we were, we're always underachievers, you know, even it just, no matter what we, you know, I know the nineties were really great for the 49ers, but it wasn't, you know, I wasn't that old. So it's, I mm-hmm. think about like, I'm like, man, I didn't really get to enjoy it the same way I got to enjoy the giants. Like, I don't know. I, they say that, you know, things are wasted on youth. I mean, that definitely was wasted on my youth because I want that <laughs> so badly now. So, but um, yeah, it's just kind of, but yeah, we're underachieving sports, you know, area, but we're finally doing it. So I think that's what makes it just so fantastic for us. Okay, so now we can fast forward to to those three World Series teams. Which one of those World Series teams do you hold truest to your heart? 2010, 12, or 14? Well, 10 is always going to be the one. I mean, that one, oh, I wasn't, I just remember crying. (laughs) (laughs) It just went through the whole roller coaster of emotions and. I, my whole, I mean, I don't know. My family was really big in, into, and they still are, but I had a lot of loss happen. And so my mom didn't get to see that win. And I think she would have loved it. So it was just really great because it was, my dad called me, we're crying, we're talking on the phone. Everybody from my family was calling me and crying. And it was just like, I don't know. It's just something that I'm always going to cherish in my heart, you know, and, um, I just remember just really, I don't know. I love that team. It's always going to be special to me. Okay. So now let's talk a little bit about what you've been doing in the quarantine. I I love listening to kind of what people have been doing and what people have not been doing because it's literally like, okay, to not do anything either and just relax. Uh, But what's a tip or two that you can tell folks that, that what you've been doing to stay sane during this time? So I love podcasts. Um, I love sports, obviously. So I, and I read, I read a ton, but I think it's important to just kind of step back and not take yourself too seriously. And I think it's important to, you know, just, um, just exercise your mind too. So take time for you and, and have a time out because I think with, I, I don't know about how you are with your whole family, but with when we're all here in my house all together, it can be hard because it's like, wait, I love, I love you. And I love seeing you all the time, <laughs> but not all the time. So it's just right, you need right, to right. take time for yourself. And so that's something that I do. I, I say, okay, I'm going to take my time. And I, you know, some people meditate, some people do whatever I go. I listen to my sports. I do my thing, you know, my podcast. And I think it's important just to, to make sure you take some time out to kind of reduce yourself because even though we're not seeing, um, you know, we're not going out. It's uh, it's been tough here, at least in San Diego. So, um, everything's shut down still. So, I yes, uh, try yes. to do is, and I think exercise. If you can exercise, get out and exercise. It's great. All right. So I'm glad you mentioned reading and podcasts and stuff. Uh, I should have prepped you for this, and and I apologize for not. But do you have a recommendation on three of the following? A book a movie or show and a podcast that you've listened to. I think one of the cool things about this time is like you said, you know, to, to take some time for yourself is I think people are kind of like, Oh, you know, I always wanted to watch that movie or I always wanted to watch that show. Now I'm going to do that. Or 
I've always wanted to listen to this podcast, but it's sort of a time-consuming commitment, and now I've had time. But do you have recommendations for three of those? Um, well, <laughs> I listen to a lot and I read a lot, but I, I'm, a, I'm more of a, a nonfiction type. Um, I just like to – I read about sports, so I know that um, – now I'm totally blanking, but uh, – if you haven't read Golden by Marcus Thompson, I think that's a must. Um, Steph Curry book. Yes. And then the one on Kevin Durant and the Warriors. I can't remember the name now. Um, is that the is that the one uh, from Ethan? Ethan. Yeah. That one was really interesting. And um, that was those are the ones I've read like recently. Um, if you want to go back, one of my favorite Giants book, obviously, is the um, – you know, the Barry Bonds one. I can't mm-hmm. remember the name. Can you remember the name? Is that the one uh, about the steroids situation? Yes. I yeah, just think I, it was... There, was... there was a couple, and uh, and I I remember reading one of them. I don't think I read the one... Um, there was the, the, the two reporters... Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the two reporters who, who, who covered that story. I ha- Yeah, I have that book, but and I've lent it out a billion times, but it's... Um, Still, like, I, it's good because it really kind of explains a lot of the situation and how baseball changed and how baseball was saved. So I like that kind of stuff because I like the historical facts about it. Uh, podcasts go, um, I listen to my own podcast, uh, Fangirl <laughs> Playbook. And I, you know, I just, I just quality control. And then I also um, just stuff that I'm right now, I'm, um, I'm, I've gone vegan, which is kind of funny, but oh, wow. I know it's just, it's, totally not me either and so i've been trying to do all those things just uh because i uh, i'm trying this new health kick so uh, i you listen to stuff like that which is probably not very interesting to your listeners you, you know actually i think health podcasts are very interesting um now, now the hard part is like you know so much inf- information around health uh, and eating and what's good for you like they're they're so contradictory too like yeah, some yeah. people will say something that completely contradicts of something else you've heard but i think it's a really good medium for that kind of stuff because you know i, I think I, I don't know if you've read like lots of health books or diet books or just uh things like that but you know those are fine too but i actually like to hear the people behind the studies and and behind the strategies because i think it's just they're more passionate about it through a podcast form um, one one recommendation for you and for the audience from a podcast perspective for me is I don't know if you've ever listened to this uh, podcast, but the uh, the guy's name who wrote the book on he's wrote actually he's wrote a couple oral histories, a few actually, uh, one on ESPN, one on Saturday Night Live, um, one on one of the agencies, a CAA, I believe. His name is Jim Miller, and he has a podcast called Origins, where he kind of like digs deep into different topics. And I originally listened to it. And I was like, ah, this is okay. Like, I forget the ESPN one or whatever. I just didn't like it's. It's not. It wasn't as slick from like a production style. But um, his his recent one on the movie Almost Famous twenty years later is that like I feel like the production has finally caught up to all the research in the interview. So it was really good. And another one is, uh, I think it was in the uh, the feed for Serial from Sarah Koenig, she kind of uh, did a little trailer for a podcast called 
uh, nice white parents, which is really interesting, especially with the time that we're in today. It's about the uh, Brooklyn school system. Um, uh, 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 an example of, of a school and, and just sort of like the political ramifications and the racial ramifications about the public school system. Uh, really interesting. It, it, it can kind of be a little bit dry too, but yeah, those are my two recommendations for folks listening. Awesome. I All like right. That. So <laughs> yeah, no, that's especially when the production is, is excellent. I, I kind of, I kind of will just dig it in because I do podcasts. I, I think back like, can I, could I do that? Like, I think I could do something like that. You know, if, if I had the, if I had the time, obviously, but, um, okay. So I really appreciate you coming on. You're, you're the very first, uh, guest of this show. And uh, where can people, you mentioned the fangirl playbook show, but where else can people find you if they want to keep up with what you're doing? Yeah, so I'm on Twitter at SoCaliStuff, um, also Instagram, and then also uh, Fangirl Sports on Twitter. We also have two um, podcasts, which are called Get My Job and Fangirl Playbook. And we really try to gear women into getting more into the sports either industry or as a fan and we help you out. And it's just a fun, um, humorous way to look at sports. And so, uh, we own that we're women and we like that we're girls, but we also love sports. So it's, it's definitely geared to that. So regardless, it's, it's still fun. Most of my, most of my followers are still men, (laughs) which is funny. (laughs) (laughs) So the, uh, I'll give you one shout out before we go here. Uh, you were very early on the color and Kaepernick side as I was, Mm -hmm. and you had, been posting in his defense uh pretty much since since the be you know when he was playing obviously but from the beginning of the kneeling yeah and um i really give you credit for staying uh on that story and and really just you know making sure that people knew your views on it and i was similar to you but i didn't have you know i still don't have your 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 reach on twitter but even back then it was even worse uh and you know i i feel like there are Several of us who were definitely on his side, and there are a lot more who weren't and now are and want to pretend like they were. Uh, <laughs> but I just really want to—I really want to commend you for for you know for that commitment and and really, I, I was kind of, in a sense, following your lead because I know that you were a lot closer to that situation than uh, people probably even realize. Yeah, I, at that time I was covering the Niners, and um, so I've got. I've gotten to know Colin Kaepernick and I've, and I've been fortunate enough to actually speak with him about it and hear his heart and hear what's going on, you know? So I, you know, I really felt like it was, uh, he, he got a bad rap from the get go. And I'm not saying that I think he, you know, was the best quarterback I've ever seen, but I think what happened to him is, is a travesty. And I, you know, just as a human being, um, you know, I, and I know that I lost followers over it, and I know I took a really hard line, but I just think that at the end of the day, you have to stand for something, and you know, I, I it was okay with me, and 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 now you know, in retrospect, people are seeing it, and I'm glad, but I I feel like we owe we have a duty ourselves to look deeper and find out why people when somebody disagrees with us or when somebody rubs us the wrong way we have a duty to find out why i mean recently you know um andre Adala 
said something about an, an, a WNBA player, and she took it really badly. So you, ha- you that's a chance for Andre Iguodala to say, okay, how did I offend her? Mm-hmm. Why did I offend her? And I think that that's something, just as an as you know, an individual, we need to start doing and saying, okay, well, why? Why did? Why are these? Motions coming up for people. And I think if more people had done that and really looked at Colin Kaepernick as a person, because he's a great dude. He's just, he's a good person. And if you went in and looked at it that way, then you could, you may not agree, but at least you can understand it. So I think that that's what we have to try to do more and just try to understand more people. Absolutely. I think that's a great place to stop. And uh, we'll actually use this opportunity to sign off for the show. So uh, thanks to Stephanie and for Brad. I'm Double G. We'll see you next week.